0: But you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am my Father, and you and me, and I and you. Who, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, Lord, who is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the words that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, so that the world may know that I am so that I love the father rise let us go from here this is the word of god
1: now listen, you gotta know, I'm just so giddy this morning. Like, I'm just so excited with what God is doing in our church, with baptisms and everything. And we are in this series entitled The Upper Room. And, and what we're doing as a church, we primarily love teaching through books of the Bible or finding sort of a streamlined passage of Scripture. And and what this is, is this is the night that Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's going to be illegally tried the next Next day, he's going to be beaten beyond human recognition, the Bible says. He will hang on a cross in the hot sun for six and a half hours, and he will die and be buried. But three days later, he'll rise again. It's good news. And what we're studying are the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. It's called the upper room discourse. Like he's getting ready to leave. You heard that read a lot in the passage. And he is giving them sort of final instructions. Parents, maybe you're going to be gone for the day, or you're just going to be gone for an hour. And remember, you tell the kids like all the things and all the stuff and don't let the cat and make sure that and all of that. stuff. this is what Jesus is doing with His disciples, but what we are doing is we are looking at what is sort of an upper room disciple. It's only 12 that are in the room, and these 12 go on to carry the message of Christianity faithfully. So, you and I in 2022 in Butler County are still sharing the message. And what we are saying is, what are the marks? of an upper room disciple. I think a lot of us struggle in our relationship with Jesus. And we're like, man, how do I know that I'm doing either what I'm supposed to be doing? How do I even know that I love God? And some Monday mornings, you're like, am I even saved? Like, I mean, what are some tangible things that I can look at and know that I am maturing in my relationship with Jesus. And that's what you see on the wall behind me. Um, We've been pulling out these marks in in these passages. And we started with humble and serving, that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And the very first thing that an upper room disciple does is they understand that it's not about them, but it's about serving. The second one was really positive. We said that we are honest about sin. A wah, 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 right? But here's what we said. We will call sin, sin, because the Bible does. But here's what we'll also do. We'll also call grace, grace. So when we talk about sin, we also have to talk about how God has paid for sin as well. And then the third thing we said is an upper room disciple is um, healthy in community, that we live life with one another, that Jesus has particular relationships with these disciples in the room. And then we went on and learned that we are hopeful in heart last week. Let not your hearts be troubled. We said that we as Christians, when everyone else is like, oh, look at the news. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yes, we recognize the brokenness in the world, but at the same time, we have the hope of eternal salvation and that we know that Jesus is going to return again one day, that we bear good news. And this week, as you see, the mark is helped by the Spirit. And and can I just say um, up front, there is no way that I'm going to be able to do this passage of Scripture justice? I mean, this is like the Holy of Holies in the Bible. Jesus is talking about some incredible, supernatural things in the Christian life when we understand about the Holy Spirit. But in order for us to start, I think that this will be helpful. Um, The year was 1990. And Danny Simpson of Ottawa, Canada, um, was in a difficult space in his life. He had tried to start a business, and it had failed. He had got mixed up in drugs and alcohol, and he was in a tough spot. And um, Danny was going to make a decision that would forever change his life. He was there in the town. He had lived his whole life there. And um, he was going to go down to the local bank, and rob it, and he thought that he would be able to get away with it, make some quick cash, leave town, and start a brand new life. So what Danny did is he went into his father's room where the gun case was, and he grabbed a pistol that he had seen his father have that he had known that his grandfather had given his father. He went down to the local bank, and he did the deed, and he stuck him up, if you will, And he left with about $6,000 in cash. Unfortunately, the teller went to school with his mother. And she knew Danny and knew the whole deal. And Danny didn't make it very far and got caught. When Danny was getting um, interrogated, if you will, the police were asking him questions and getting evidence. And they got the pistol that Danny had used. Well, one of the detectives was very much so into firearms, and the moment that he saw this gun, he had a lot more questions to ask. You see, when Danny went to his father's gun case, and the reason why he remembered his grandfather giving his father that gun is because it was a family heirloom. And the gun was actually a 1911 uh, Colt 45, and it was made around World War I. And it was made by the Ross Rifle Company in Quebec City. Here's what's interesting. This gun, there's only a hundred in existence. And they were given to certain military officers during the war. A hundred were made and no more were made. It actually said on the barrel of the gun, special edition. And as they had the gun appraised, Danny came to realize that the pistol that he was holding was worth anywhere between eighty to hundred thousand dollars. Now think about the irony. Danny had in his possession a gun worth way more than what he was forcing to try to get to try to make it happen. And you're like, what in the world does that have to do with the Holy Spirit today? I knew we came to some weird place, okay? I believe that is a great illustration of the way that Christians live their life. And here's what I mean by that. We do not understand the value and the preciousness and the worth of what we have in the Holy Spirit. And we try to live our life by forcing something to happen. And I've got to read my Bible and I've got to pray and I've got to forgive my dad and I've got to, oh, I can't do it anymore. I'm going to leave. I'm going to bail. I can't, but then i got to get back. i got to try harder. And you live this cycle of guilt, shame, try harder, kind of doing good, fail, guilt, shame, try harder, do kind of good, guilt, shame, fail. And it's just this cycle. And can I just tell you today, you are exhausted. And little do we know that our life begins to fill with fear and anxiety. And can I tell you today, what Jesus promises his followers is something that is so valuable and worth so much that if we would understand it, that we would live a supernatural life. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you that if you press in today and understand what Jesus says about the power of the Holy Spirit, your relationship with Jesus will change forever. Your relationship with your spouse, with your coworkers, with your family, it can change forever. Because the big idea today is this, that upper room disciples are helped by the Holy Spirit to hold on to God's commands. Do you see that? In, it's right there in the passage. Jesus mentions, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. He says it like three times. And then he sprinkles the Holy Spirit in there. And what? listen, Jesus has not said, here's a list of rules that you need to keep. And it's don't drink, cuss, or chew, or go with girls that do which is hard to do if you're from Donovan. But anyway, it's, just, um, it's a joke. I say it every time, okay, right? It's not, oh, I got to obey this stuff, and it's so hard. Listen, there is no way, there is no way for you to obey the Bible apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no way. But here's something I know. Westside is so fortunate to have so many people from so many different backgrounds And some, you know, grew up Methodist and Presbyterian and Baptist and all of this stuff. And when I begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, sometimes there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. And and here's the irony of it. Jesus says God the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit to unify God's people. And to our shame, the very thing that's supposed to unify us has caused division amongst God's people. And that's so heartbreaking. But when we talk about this, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit right there in verse 17. Do you have your Bible? Do you see it? It says, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. The Holy Spirit is referred to in a number of different names, but it's the Spirit of truth. And and the funny thing is, is I don't think many of us think of Spirit of truth we think of either spirit or truth, spirit versus truth. And here's what I mean. Some of us has grown up with different backgrounds. And, 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 and so maybe for some of us, the first is this. Um, we grew up with what we would say, all truth and no spirit. And here's what I mean by that. We grew up with like Bible, Bible, Bible. And and maybe we even grew up with high church and and there was a liturgy and there was all, and it all has to be this certain way and it has to be like this because it's truth, it's truth, it's truth. And the only time the spirit really ever moved was maybe, you know, when your hands got about like, about like here, you know. You grew up Baptist, right here was dangerous territory, brother. Because you were one step away from here. Oh my goodness gracious, what's happening, right? And so it was like, ah, that Holy Spirit stuff is kind of weird and confusing. I don't know. But listen, if it's all truth and no spirit, we dry up. And and all of a sudden there's a harshness that comes in. And and then we start saying things like, Well, that was that was for the Bible days. And well that was you know, the, the gifts and the miracles, that was just for the apostles. And I don't know about you, but, but the God that wrote the Bible and did the miracles in the Bible, I believe, is the same God that does miracles today. But there's a ditch on the other side of the road as well. Some of us grew up with, with all spirit and no truth. And and all spirit is um, we seek out experiences and feelings all the time, and so um, I'll never forget being at a youth event, and 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 this church was definitely all spirit, and there came this time where they like dim the lights, and and they were playing this soft music, and and everybody starts crying, and the evangelist guy is going around and like you need to accept Jesus, and and some people are falling down on the floor and I'm like they must have locked their legs or something like I don't know what's going on and the next thing I know at the end I'm the only one standing and he's looking at me like I'm going to take you down buddy it's going down and I didn't I was like I don't know what's happening here right it's just all experiences and it's supernatural this and supernatural and and what we end up doing is we end up chasing the signs and wonders and, and that's wrong Because signs and wonders follow the people of God. We do not chase experiences and feelings. Because when it's all spirit and no truth, we blow up. And what I mean by that is when the wind blows, it's it's a feeling. And it's this and it's that. You see, the key is this. When it's all spirit and all truth, we grow up. It's not about drying up. It's not about blowing up. But what it is, is it's all spirit and all truth, and we grow up. And so today in these verses, it is by far the most succinct teaching that Jesus gives on the Holy Spirit. And, and this is such a big deal. And and today, I just want to ask three simple questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how do I get the Holy Spirit? I believe that's all in our passage today. And so the first thing is this. Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, look right there in verse 17. Jesus says this. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it's neither sees. What's that word after sees? Sees. Him nor knows him, you will know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is using, like, well, um, the Holy Spirit, he's a person, he's a person. That's what Jesus is teaching in this language. Um, listen, Star Wars fans, I'm so sorry, but the Holy Spirit is not the force, right? Or any, It's not some impersonal, th- it's not energy, it's not Mother Earth, it's not any of that stuff, okay? The Holy Spirit is a person. The language that we see is you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit desires a relationship. The Holy Spirit is a person. The second thing is this. He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And look, look at verse 16. This is so important, verse 16. And I will ask the Father. So, so listen, this is Jesus, the Son. And he just mentioned God, the, the Father. And he will give you another helper. Helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Um, here's what's interesting. That word right there, another helper, really, really important in your Bible. So, so here at Westside, we're crazy. We believe that God wrote a book and it's called uh, the Bible and, and that God not only wrote the book, but that every word of the book matters, okay? That's why we study all the words of the book. And the word another in the original language is really important for the two of you who care, okay? Um, The English doesn't do, do it justice. In the original language, it can mean another of the same kind or another of a different kind. Like, do you want another hamburger, meaning the exact same kind of hamburger that you just ate, Or do you want another hamburger, but it's actually a cheeseburger? Okay, another of the same kind or the different kind? Jesus is saying another of the same kind. Jesus is saying God will send you the spirit who's like me, just like me. So let's follow the logic. If Jesus is saying the spirit is like him and Jesus said that he is God in the flesh, then that means the spirit is God. Now listen, we are getting ready to jump into the deep end. I wish I had a great illustration to show you this because this is the historical teaching and understanding of what is known as the Trinity, the tri-unity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are each separate in that they are God, right? But they are also not like there's historical fallacies or errors that there's one God who manifests himself at different times. So sometimes he's Jesus, and then sometimes he's the Holy Spirit. Eh, Wrong. In the Trinity, the math goes like this. One plus one plus one equals... One, come on, this is good stuff. This is so important because this is God in community. So, oh, please listen to this. This is so good. If we are made in the image and likeness of God and that in the beginning there was God, please think about this. Before there was anything, there was someone. Before there was something, there was someone. And there was a relationship, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they were in perfect relationship with one another. And the love for one another spilled out onto the canvas of creation. That's why you and I are designed to live in community and to not be isolated from people. That's why during the pandemic, it was devastating beyond belief to isolate people because we are created in the image of a God that lives in community. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. And then the third thing is this. He is permanent. Look at verse 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Remember that movie? Good, good. Awesome. That's great. Forever. Now, here's what's so incredible. Some of you are like, wow, is this whole spirit thing new? I've got this thing. My Bible is like divided, and there's this thing called like the Old Testament. And every year in January, I start reading Genesis, and it's great. And then I get to Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and I bail, right? There's this Old Testament. Was the spirit not in the Old Testament, Pastor? Um, um, Incorrect. The Spirit of God has always existed with God the Father, God the Son, but here's what's different. In the Old Testament, we would see this phrase, and the Spirit of God came upon Samson. Remember that guy? He was like Dwayne the Rock Johnson before Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? And and then Elijah, the Spirit of God came on Elijah. But here's the difference. It was temporary because the Spirit of God dwelt in the temple, that's why, remember Charlton Heston, the Ten Commandments, and Israel, and let my people go, and all of that stuff. God said that his spirit would dwell in the temple. That's where God's spirit stays. And, and then every once in a while, it would descend upon someone. But then with the new covenant, God's word teaches that you become the temple of God, and that the spirit of God dwells inside of believers. Whew. Do you understand? We have no idea. We're like the guy with the gun. We have no idea the value of what we possess. I believe that if Moses himself came in here today, he would be astonished. And he would say, you have the spirit of God inside of you. Nothing can stop you. We have the Spirit of God as as a pillar of fire and a cloud that led us. But, oh, we longed for the day that God would dwell in his people. This is the worth that we possess, that the Spirit is a person, that he's God, and that he is permanent. But but here's the deal. We need a working definition for the Holy Spirit in order to clarify what this is. Who are we talking about? What does this mean? Um, for the two of you who care, the word that Jesus uses is this word um, and, and, and And what the word helper really means is, it means to come alongside. It literally means to stand next to and to speak to. So if you did a real rough translation, it would mean to stand beside and speak to. But some of your translations will say the advocate, the counselor. All of these words mean, think about this, that the Spirit of God comes alongside and dwells within our body. And somewhere else in the New Testament, it says that he pleads our case before God the Father. Oh, you don't even know what I just said. It means that every day, like in 1 John chapter 3, when our hearts condemn us, God is stronger than our hearts. So on the days that you wake up and it's Monday and the prodigal child has not returned home or cancer is still on the horizon or the conflict is still weighing you down, on the days when you don't feel God or feel saved, you have helper that is inside of you that is speaking to you saying you are God's son you are God's daughter do this go here say this remember this this is what it means to have the spirit of God inside of us so what's the definition how about this the Holy Spirit is the power and presence of Jesus inside his people that's what the Holy Spirit is. It is literally, the New Testament would say, the life of Christ. Have you ever thought about this? I think that we think that when we read the Gospels and we're like, Jesus was a human, we're like, yeah, but Jesus didn't have to deal with TikTok or none of that stuff. Like, it's hard out here in these streets, right? Like, trying to follow God. I bet Jesus had it easy. And, And we just think that Jesus was on cruise control obeying the Father's commandments. But did you know that at his baptism, the Spirit of God descends on Jesus, and the way that Jesus lived his life was through the perfect power of the Spirit, the most spirit-filled life that we could ever see is the life of Jesus. So who is the Holy Spirit? We've established that. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? What is the operation of this? And I cannot stress this enough to you, that the Christian life, to love God and to obey his commandments, please listen to me, the Christian life is a supernatural life. That the Christian life is a supernatural life of Jesus lived out through you. That we do not muster up strength to forgive. We do not muster up strength for peace, for joy, for kindness, for faithfulness. You're not going to go down to Huck's and get a big gulp and some peace and joy, okay? Those things are supernatural that God gives to us, and we have got to, as Christians, get back to the understanding that the life we live is supernatural. We live a supernatural life. So what does the Holy Spirit do? What's so incredible? Romans 8, verse 11. You're, You're not even ready for this verse, okay? You're not even ready. If the Spirit of Him... Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Oh, church, listen to me. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the third day is the same spirit that lives in you. And that if God could raise Jesus from the dead, then mama, when you're at home with those babies or you're at work and you feel like you can't make it, the Spirit of God can do things in your life. Man, to the man who has the weight of the world on his shoulders, of a job, of kids, of a boss, of all of that, and you think it would be easier to cash out than to live to the next day, I'm telling you, your life matters. God's created you, and the Spirit of God can get you through. The power of the resurrection is at our disposal. This is so powerful. So what are the particulars? What does he do? Well, the first thing that we see is this. The spirit propels us to obedience. (laughs) Wah, 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 right? Can can I just pause here? Some of us have grown up with with, with a great misunderstanding. And please hear my tone here. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm not trying to say grandma was wrong or any of that stuff. But some of us have grown up with the baggage that the Spirit was all about experience and that when the Spirit hit a service, everybody kind of fell out and spoke in a heavenly language and this, that, and the other. Um, how about what if the Spirit fell in a room and everybody went out and fed the hungry? What if the Spirit fell in the room and someone called their dad and said, Dad, I love you and I'm sorry. What if the Spirit fell in the room and people started confessing unrepentant sin? That's the move of the Spirit. To obey God's commands is a supernatural gift that God gives us. And Jesus says, if you love me, verse verse 15, it's right here, guys. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We gotta spend some time here. This is tough, right? I want you to notice the order of the words Please listen to me. Jesus did not say, if you keep my commandments, then I'll love you. And that's how many of us have grown up. We've reversed the words. We've put commandments and rules in front of love. And that is not the gospel. Um, It's love and obedience is what it is. And, and when we reverse the words, we get something like this out of love and obedience. If we have love minus obedience, that's just sentimentalism. That's just everything's good, and you know we've got unicorns running around farting fairy dust, and everything's good, and kumbaya, and ooh ah, it's all love. But listen, if there's no follow through, if there's no obedience, listen, you are kidding yourself. And some of us have an image of Jesus that Jesus is my homeboy, and everything's hunky dory and easy, and this, that, and the other. The reality is, is that Jesus is Lord of the cosmos and that there's no negotiating with the king but if we have obedience minus love that's slavery hey parents look up here don't miss this rules without relationship will always equal rebellion if you are heavy-handed And you demand. And then some of us are like, well, I don't know why they left the house. Boy, when they turned 18, they were so quick. Yeah, because it was like living with Putin in your house, okay? (laughs) All you cared about was blind obedience. And hey, parents, have you ever said, clean your room? And you had... Hey, did they clean their room? Did, Did they clean their room? Yeah, they cleaned their room. What was going on inside their heart? A ton of rebellion, right? Listen, the Bible is not interested in outward behavior. And if you think raising your children to just sit there and obey, you will raise a bunch of Pharisees who Jesus said on the outside looks great, but on the inside is filled with dead men's bones. You see, spirit-filled is love and obedience listen before christ came into my life i didn't love the truth i was living my life every like before christ comes into our life we have you know we did it our way it's this plan and i'm doing this but when jesus comes in then we go god what makes you happy that's what makes me happy it's a loving relationship the Spirit of God propels us to obedience. The second thing that I see is this. The Spirit instructs and illuminates. You see it right there in verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, here it is, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance that I have said to you. Now, here's what's important. Jesus is speaking to his disciples who are going to go die for the faith. So, so he is meaning that when you stand before courts and councils and you're tried for your faith, the Holy Spirit in those moments is going to give you words. That's the particular promise to the apostles. But there is a general promise to us as well. There's a reason why when we read our Bible, the Bible says that a natural man cannot understand the things that are written. Have you ever been to a 3D movie before? and they give you those little glasses that they charged you $12 for, and then they ask for them back. Does anybody else keep them? I keep them. I keep them because I'm like, I paid for those jokers, buddy. I'm not putting them in the bin, okay? Have you ever at a moment like taken them off to be like, man, what's this movie like, right? What's this like? And it's nothing but blurriness. Listen, reading the Bible without the spirits just like that, you kind of... I, 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 I think I, I kinda, but with the Spirit of God as your filter, deep cries out to deep as the psalmist says. This, listen, the same Holy Spirit that wrote the book is the same Spirit that will reveal the book, okay? So the Spirit of God propels us to obedience, the Spirit instructs and illuminates, and the third thing is this, the Spirit assures us of God's love for us. Look at verses 21 through 23. Oh, this is so good. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, can I just say this here? I just need to say this. There are many people that if you surveyed in Butler County, if you love Jesus, they would just say yes. Sure, right? Because we've got Mexican restaurants, Dollar Generals, car dealerships, and churches, right? It's just, yeah. But if you are not striving if you are not, I'm not saying perfection. I'm saying progression. Stumbling forward in the commandments of God. Please, I, I love you, but I also need to tell you the truth. That your relationship with Jesus is an illusion. If you say, I'll do some of these things, but my um, dating life, my sex life, whatever, this, this just me. This is just me and you got to deal. Listen, I would lovingly challenge you What do you think Jesus means? It is the love and the commandments. But then he goes on to say this. It is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him, here it is, and manifest myself to him. I love this. Verse 22. Judas not Iscariot, right? Because right? remember what happened? Judas betrayed Jesus. How unfortunate is it for this Judas that he has the same name as Judas Iscariot, right? That like forever, oh, what's up, Judas? Oh, I'm not the other Judas, bro. I'm not the other Judas, right? What's Jesus saying in these verses? Um, maybe this illustration will help. Um, whenever um, our kids sort of go off to school on the first day, we, um, my wife and I, Courtney, are those parents that are a total and utter wreck, okay? We're the ones who have our sunglasses on inside the building because we're crying, because we realize this is a moment in life, all of that stuff. We're just cheesy. That's just who we are. Well, um, when, when Roman went to first grade, it was like, I don't know, man, just hit me different. It was like, this isn't kindergarten, this isn't pre k this isn't Tuesday school, this is like first grade, this is like the thing, okay? School has now started. Um, At lunchtime, I I went to the school, okay? (laughs) And I knew what time his lunch was, all right? And um, I saw him playing out on the playground. And so I pulled up to the fence and I got out of my car, Okay, and um, it was like a 30-year-old man talking to first graders. Okay, <laughs> like it was not okay. All right. And all of a sudden, my phone started blowing up. And my wife and my mother-in-law were like, you can't be there. I've got teachers calling us. Like, you can't show up to school. But I saw Roman. I just wanted to check in. I just wanted to check in to see if I needed to punk out another first grader or something like that, okay? But when he was out there running around on the playground, tons of kids, man. It's just woo, woo, woo. I just said, uh, said, hey. Roman was like, I mean, he heard it. He knew and he came up to the fence. I was like, "Are you good?" He was like, "I'm good. What are you doing here?" And I gave him knuckles and I saw these teachers like calling and like doing stuff like that. Roman was surrounded out on a playground with tons of kids. All kinds of noise, teachers yelling. But when he heard his father's voice, it pierced through everything. And what the spirit of God does, is the Spirit of God cuts through all the noise. It cuts through the shame, and it cuts through the guilt, and it cuts through the sin, and it cuts through everything, and you hear your heavenly Father's voice. It is the Spirit that makes the love of God real to us and tangible. That's what the Spirit does. So lastly, this in closing. How do I get it? How do I get the Holy Spirit? And in this moment, I really do firmly believe that I'm going to free some people from some real bondage. Because I've had a conversation with someone in my office, a sweet dear lady. And we were talking and she stood up and she began to cry. And she said, I love all of that, Jason. I love this church and I love everything, but I know I don't have the Spirit And I said, why do you say that? And she said, well, I've never spoken in tongues. And my grandmother said that if I've never done that, that I don't have the Spirit. So I've just made peace in my life and my heart shattered. That is a, that, that's a gift, and, and we believe in that, and, and, and that's great, but please listen to me. A supernatural language or a supernatural sign is not the tangible evidence that you have the Spirit of God. The Spirit, later on in John 16, Jesus says, the point of the Holy Spirit is to point to me. How do you get the Spirit? It's all about Jesus, that's what it's about. And notice this, that when Jesus Christ is dying on the cross, it says this in John 19, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, paid in full. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit oh don't miss this the good news of the gospel is this the gospel is Jesus in my place and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ lived a life that we could not live and he died the death that we deserved and Jesus exchanges places with us and he gives up his spirit so the father in heaven sends the spirit to us the Holy Spirit you want to get more of the spirit then you cry out to Jesus Christ and the question is not do I have all of the spirit the question is does the spirit have all of me here's what I'm trying to say and it's simply this the good news of the gospel is this Jesus gave up his spirit so we can get the Holy Spirit in closing I really wanted to make this as practical as I could with you all And I'd remembered sort of an illustration that I did with West Side Youth. Um, my kids and I have a game at home and, and maybe you play it with a balloon. It's the balloon can't touch the ground. You guys ever play that, right? You know, it's super fun and somebody breaks something and you know, you you blame it on somebody else or something, right? And and the balloon can't touch the ground, and so you gotta go around hitting it and you gotta keep the balloon up at all times. And I think a lot of us think that this is like the Christian life to keep the balloon up. Like I got to... I gotta get up. Or I gotta get up four hours early in the morning so I can have my devotional time and pray and do my Jesus calling. And then so then I can take a picture of my devotional time and post it on Facebook so everybody knows that I'm doing all. And I gotta pray. And man, I didn't. Do, I yelled at the kids today. And I did, and it's just gotta go to church. Gotta oh gotta do it. We got they got the Fall Fest this afternoon, and now we gotta go to church and the Fall Fest. And it's just this constant just bow of, God, I got to do, I got to do, I got to keep it up. And when you understand that the power of the Holy Spirit is living the Christian life like this, and where's the Spirit leading me today? Where's the Spirit leading me? Where's the Spirit of God leading me through the Word of God and through prayer to God and through the people of God? Listen, this is the life that God wants for you. And I think this is the life that most of us are living. I know no greater picture of what it is to be helped by the Spirit than like this. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And, and, and maybe you've never called out to Jesus before. Maybe, maybe you've never just simply said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do it God's way now. I'm going to invite you to be able to do that. And if you are a believer in here today, I want you to understand it's not, do I have all of the Spirit? The question is, does the Spirit have all of me? And where am I just exhausted and I need to surrender? Westside, if you would, stand to your feet right where you're at in this place with every head bowed and every eye closed. Just a, just a sacred moment in this room. Some of you for the first time have understood who Jesus is. You've understood that that he died in your place for your sins. And you've never cried out to him before. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And I want you to just pray to yourself and repeat the words that I say. Listen, this prayer does not save you. It's not magic. The spirit of God saves you. This is just um, like a ladder to help you walk these steps. And so right now, if, if you don't love Jesus, you don't know anything about this, you've never done this before, right where you're at, I very simply want you to say to yourself, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, save me today. And right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've said that for the first time, I just want to acknowledge you, just not embarrass you, just every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that for the first time, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at so I can pray for you and know you? Yes, praise God, yes. I see you, yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, Spirit of God, you're saving people today. And for a believer in the room, you're exhausted and you're spent. I want you to know that's not the life God has for you. Today, surrender and cry out and say, Jesus, I need you. Father God, we come before you today so grateful. Salvation is in this place today. Holy Spirit, you've opened up hearts and minds And we get to celebrate in just a moment. But God, I pray as we sing, we sing as a freed people, as a people who understand that you have not left us as orphans, but Jesus, you send us your spirit. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Convict those who need convicting and comfort those who need comforting. And today, we know that Jesus is not dead, but he is alive. We pray this all in the Holy And in the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen.